Hi, faithful listeners, and Merry Christmas. Welcome to the fourth annual Bible Explained Christmas Candlelit episode. (laughs) That's a mouthful. My name is Jen, and I'm the host here. I hope you guys are feeling really Christmassy right now, and if you aren't, that's unacceptable. So you need to pause the podcast. You need to turn on some Christmas lights. You have to brew a cup of coffee or a cup of tea for you crazy tea drinkers, or a cup of hot chocolate is acceptable. And sit next to a heater in your PJs. Okay, so that is what I'm requiring for you guys to listen to this episode. And uh, obviously, though, if you live in the Southern Hemisphere, you don't have to sit next to a heater in your PJs because that would probably be super uncomfortable. And I don't know what you guys do, actually, in the Southern Hemisphere. How do you guys celebrate Christmas? So if you live in the Southern Hemisphere, contact me and tell me what you do to celebrate Christmas. I'm interested to hear about that. All right, so let's get into this year's episode. And by the way, while you're getting cozy for Christmas, make sure to grab your Bible also because you're going to want it. I am actually going to talk about six different passages tonight, all relating to Jesus's second coming. All right, so you guys might be wondering how Jesus's second coming relates to Christmas. And unlike usual, I'm going to tell you how it relates right now. Normally, I'm like, you're going to have to wait till the end before you find out. But I'm going to tell you right off the bat how Jesus's second coming relates to Christmas. Did you guys know that Christmas actually means Christ's feast day? Here's a little bit of history on the term Christmas. So the term Christmas actually came from the Catholics. And you might recognize it as Christ, Christ mass, right? Like mass as in like a church service. So it was literally called Christ's church service, basically, if you want to like get really literal with it. However, later on, it started becoming known as Christ's feast day or Christ's day. So Christmas literally means Christ's day, according to our English nowadays. And what's really cool about this is Jesus's second coming in the Bible is often referred to as the day of the Lord. In other words, Christ's day. (laughs) I found that really cool. I think that is super interesting, mainly because Jesus's second coming, I guess, could also be referred to as Christmas or Christ's day. So when Jesus comes back, maybe we'll have a second Christmas. I don't know. But I I find that so cool. So if you think about it, the Christmas story is not complete yet because Jesus has yet to come back to earth the second time. We only have the first Christmas, the first Christ's day. We are still waiting for the second Christmas, the second Christ's day. Now to point this out a little bit further, this year I actually led an Advent study for teen girls at my church based on uh, the book that I wrote last year, Adore, the Teen Girl's Guide to Advent. And uh, one thing that I didn't know before writing the study, interestingly enough, was that Advent was not originally created as a countdown to Christmas, but it was actually created as a countdown for Jesus's second coming into the world. So in other words, the people who first started celebrating Advent thought it was more important to use it as a way to become ready for Jesus's second coming to the earth rather than being ready for his birth, which is how we celebrate nowadays. Like when we celebrate Advent, it's always relating to Christmas. It's always relating to December 25th. We are waiting for today, for 
the day that we celebrate Jesus's birth or his first coming into the world, but that originally was not how Advent was celebrated. It was celebrated to remember and to watch for Jesus's second coming in the world. So there's some scriptural passages to back up the idea of Christmas and Jesus's second coming being very related, if that makes sense. Mainly because the majority of the prophecies in the Old Testament that predicted Jesus's birth also talk about Jesus's second coming within the same passage. Okay, so here's the most famous one. You guys are going to know this one. For unto us a child is born, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And that's from Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. And that is the Christmas passages, right? But if you look at it, and I kind of went into this last year, actually, I talked about this portion of scripture. If you look at this, this is not just talking about Jesus's birth as a baby. It's also talking about all these other things that are yet to come. Jesus is going to rule. He's going to be our king. All of these things are talking about what is yet to to come. And here's another one that talks about both Jesus's birth and his second coming. And this is Micah chapter five, verses two through five. If you have your Bible, you can turn to that with me. It says, you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then at last, his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world, and he will be the source of peace. That's Micah 5, 2 through Five. I didn't read all of verse five, though. So as you can see, it talks about Bethlehem being Jesus's birthplace, how the woman is going to give birth and how Jesus is going to grow up. He's going to free people. Right. But then it also talks about how he his peace is going to be so great that the people in Israel are going to live undisturbed. But that part hasn't been fulfilled yet, because look at what's happening in Israel, like literally currently, right? So this is yet to come. And yet it's talking about both Jesus's birth and the second coming. So as you can see, these are all really intertwined, like the Christmas story and Jesus's second coming are intertwined together, meaning that Christmas has not been fully complete yet. We are still living in the Christmas story waiting for for the the second part of it, you know, the end of it. So for all of us who believe in Jesus, his second coming is actually going to be a very exciting day. And I think there's a lot of fear surrounding it. I I mean even I have felt that, you know, like it's it's unknown, it's kind of scary, and of course the Bible talks about prophecies that are very terrifying like with the antichrist and all that stuff. But Jesus's second coming 
is going to be so exciting. Okay, it's going to be worth it because everything will be made right. Everything will be fixed when Jesus comes again the second time. So it's going to be the most exciting day of our lives, right? It's not something to be afraid of or to fear, but it's something to look forward to. So here's what Paul says about Jesus's second coming. He is going to erase death for believers when he comes again. And this is a very encouraging passage. This is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. It says, and I'm reading this out of the NLT, by the way. I've been reading everything today out of the NLT instead of the WEB. But it says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So I'm going to pause right there. I mean, already you can see how encouraging this passage is because you and I believe that Jesus rose again on the third day, right? He conquered death. That means we also have to believe that he conquered death for everybody else. And he's actually going to return with all the people who died. He's going to return to earth with them. So I'm going to continue in verse 15 through 18. It says, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will raise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. So there you go. I mean, this is a very encouraging passage, especially for anybody who is listening right now who may have lost somebody close to them recently. If your family member or friend or husband or wife or whoever you lost recently was a believer, Jesus is going to return with them. Like you are going to see them again. Okay. You're going to live with them again with Jesus's amazing presence there as well. So it's a very encouraging passage. We don't, like it says at the beginning of all of this, we have hope. Non-believers don't have that same hope. For them, death is the end. They're not going to see their loved ones again. They're not going to experience that relationship with them ever again. But us Christians, we don't have that same fear. We don't have that same lack of hope. We know that because Jesus conquered death, he also conquered death for all of us believers. So if you have a believing family member who died recently, yes, it's very painful. It's very hard to go through life with, with the grieving and without that relationship any longer, but it's not the end. You're going to see them again if you are a believer and if they were also a believer. So that's one reason, only one, <laughs> to look forward to Jesus's second coming. There's more. So let's turn to second Thessalonians 1 and read verses 4 through 10, once again out of the NLT. So it says, we proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness in all the persecutions and hardships you are suffering. And God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. 
In his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. When he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe. And this includes you, for you believed what we told you about him. So Jesus's second coming is going to be a mighty and powerful experience. It's going to be a day of extreme comfort and encouragement for us, but it's not going to be a good day for anybody who persecuted you for your faith or uh, hurt you because of your faith, mistreated you, or for anybody who refuses, it says refuses to believe in God. And on that day, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to judge the world. When he comes the second time, he's not going to come as a baby in a manger. He's not going to come as a lowly servant, a lowly sacrifice. He's going to come as a powerful king, as a ruler, and as a warrior, the, the prince of peace, the king of kings, and the lord of lords. That's who he's going to come back as. But he's not just coming to bring judgment. It also says that in this passage that he's coming to bring rest for us, like true, deep rest. I don't know about you. Maybe it's my ADHD, but <laughs> I have a really difficult time resting. And I think just in the American culture, that might just be a thing. Like we have a hard time resting, I feel like, like really feeling a true rest. And the only way I can ever truly feel rested, if I'm being honest, is when I sit down and pray or read scripture. Other times, you know, I, I and I never do that. You know, that's not my go to method for feeling rested. Instead, I'm, you know, scrolling through, you know, YouTube, watching senseless shorts on YouTube or just watching a TV show or something like that. I'm like busying my mind still. The only thing that really brings true rest is that relationship with God. And yet, like I said, it's not my go to method. But when Jesus comes back again, we're going to experience that deep rest that I think a lot of us are really, really longing for and uh, needing desperately. And once again, I mean, suffering and pain, it also says in this passage, is going to be erased along with death. From what we read in the last passage, all this terrible stuff is going to be completely erased and replaced with this sense of rest and peace forever. However, it's not going to be like that for anybody who refused to believe in God and caused damage to other people and continued to cause damage to other people. They will be held accountable. So let's go more into that from Revelation 19, 11 through 21. Once again, out of the NLT, it says, Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. 
the armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe, at his thigh, was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. So that is a very powerful description of Jesus coming back again. Already from two different accounts, because this account that I just, just read was written by John. The last account that I read from Thessalonians was written by Paul. And yet these two men both had this vision and understanding of what Jesus would be like when he came back. He would be this mighty warrior. And both accounts mentioned fire. John mentioned that his eyes are going to be like fire. And uh, I was, I recently watched The Passion of the Christ. Okay. The one thing I found kind of cool about their de depiction of Jesus was that his eyes were like fire. Like no matter how far away Jesus was, his eyes were like golden fire. And I thought that that was a really cool depiction because that is kind of how he's depicted in scripture of being like this powerful God and his eyes are like flames of fire. But this account in Revelation written by John mentions how he's, he's coming back and he has this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. And he's going to have this sword coming out of his mouth. And when I think of that, when, when Jesus judges, you know, with his mouth, with the words that he's going to say, they're going to pierce. Like those words are going to be powerful and they're going to pierce and he's going to judge. But not only that, it mentions that his name in verse 11 was faithful and true. So when Jesus comes back again, not only is he going to judge, but he's also going to bring truth back to the world. I think everybody right now is like, what is truth? You know, like everybody's kind of thinking about the concept of truth, what is true and what is not true. And people are aching for truth. And Jesus, when he comes back again, he's going to bring what is true back to the earth. So when are these things going to happen? Well, <laughs> you guys might already know the answer to this, but here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verses 30 through 44. And this is the longest passage, but I'm going to uh, conclude with this passage. So it says, and then at last, the sign that the son of man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be a deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the furthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you will know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. Only the father knows. When the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time that Noah entered his boat. 
And people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. And that is the way it will be like when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. That is Jesus talking. Jesus is talking about himself and when he is going to come again. Even Jesus, it says in this passage, doesn't know the exact time he's going to return. Jesus says that only the Father in heaven knows the exact time. But Jesus did give us some prophecies and some hints. It says that people are going to carry on as normal. You know, it says it's going to be like the days of Noah, where people are eating and partying and having weddings and marriages and children and whatever else. They were just carrying on as normal and acting like there was no problems. But Jesus also said, if you read the entire portion of Matthew 24, that the world was going to get really chaotic before he comes again. Okay. And lastly, it's going to be at a time when least expected. There's also portions that say that Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. And that's kind of what Jesus alluded to about himself. Actually, he said, you know, if the man knew that a burglar was coming to uh, you know, rob his house, certainly the man would protect his home. And yet Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. You don't know when it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen at some point, but you don't know exactly when. And then there's also passages that talk about there's going to be like a lightning flash across the sky and then Jesus will be there. That is how quick it will happen. But it's going to happen at a time when people least expect and uh, I'm going to throw my two cents in there because <laughs> that's what I do on this podcast. I'm always throwing my two cents in. When I think of a time least when people would least expect Jesus, I think of a time when things are going relatively well. Because I know for me, when I start to forget God or forget Jesus, and I don't pray as often, I don't read my Bible as often, it's when things are going really well for me. You know, that's when I start to almost not reject it, but I, I think about it a lot less. So that is what I think personally. However, I have no clue. And Jesus said, we're going to have no clue when he comes back again, but we can expect it and we can wait for it. So we have to always be watching and waiting for Jesus's second coming. So yeah, the Christmas story is far from over. Because Jesus came as a baby on the first Christmas, but the second Christmas, the second Christ's day has not come yet, but it will happen. And when it does, are you going to be ready? By any chance, do you faithful listeners happen to remember what uh, I talked about last year on the podcast? I talked about the Trinity and how it relates to Christmas based on the first passage I read today. Isaiah chapter nine, I think it was. And I'm going to link that episode I did last year in the show notes of this episode so that you can listen to it in the morning <laughs> and refresh yourself on last year's Christmas. But faithful listeners, 
As always, I'm going to perform a song for you. And normally, I sing. But this year, I'm not going to be singing for you guys. I'm going to be playing the piano for you. So this is my own rendition of Mary Did You Know and also O Come All Ye Faithful. That will be happening right now. Stay tuned. Thank you. 
Friends, I hope you enjoyed listening to my rendition of Mary Did You Know as much as I enjoyed playing it and performing it for you guys. But faithful listeners, have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas day. Merry Christmas, happy listening, and God bless you all.